up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Ty and Bob Pod. I'm Tyler Dunn here with Bob McGinn. Bob, how the hell you doing, man? I'm doing great, Tyler. Played some golf yesterday. Uh, windy conditions, 48, 49 degrees, wind at 20. Wind, wind makes a coverage of us all, T, and the scores, the scores balloon. <laughs> are, you, uh, are you unhappy with how you fared on the greens? Uh, yeah, it affects every shot. It was a 92 this time, T, with a triple on 18. Otherwise, it would have been an 89 with a par. You like to break 90, T. Well, you know, I, I know you're a Michigan man. And, you know, in lieu of Jim Harbaugh cheating, maybe you just go out there and do a little cheating on the golf course, right? There's got to be a way you can, <laughs> the, you can work the, on that score illegally. Use the old foot mashy, right, Tyler? Kick a ball from under a tree. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I haven't even talked oh. to you about that. I don't know. Like, I, I honestly, I haven't really been following it that closely. But when I first heard about the science stealing, is it bad that I just kind of assumed everybody kind of does that? I mean, we all see these coaches on the sideline doing all these funky things. I just assumed, you know, there was probably some well, of that going on. Well, but you know, the ill the illegality, as you know, is when you do it at somebody else's stadium. That's been illegal in the NCAA since for thirty years. No, I don't think everybody does that. Not to the extent of. Uh, stallions and his group of uh people did it all over hell's half acre no i don't well, they're, they're america's team though now you saw the teary-eyed interim <laughs> coach <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just started laughing when i saw that <laughs> that was hilarious like they, they overcame this traumatic adversity right that, now now they're the victims now they're going to use this as oh my gosh okay <laughs> the well, university, we'll my university president bought into the whole thing tyler i'm not there's a lot of embarrassment right now tyler for me okay i don't know how other alums are looking at it but i'm not happy all i know is syracuse football plays by the rules okay in every possible sense. And they've been playing by the rules <laughs> since Greg Robinson came in and ushered in. Oh my God. They've just been just horrendous. Most of my life. Let's talk NFL. And I guess Jim Harbaugh, he'll probably be making his way to the NFL soon. So maybe he'll make the podcast next year, but he'll try. Yeah, he'll, he'll try. Take any, he'll take yeah. any NFL job he can get. I'm certain of that, but I don't know if one's going to be forthcoming or not. That's a really good point because he probably just thought he would get all this interest last year and it never really materialized for him, right? No, I, I don't know. I think maybe he could have had the Denver job and maybe didn't want it, hmm. but he wanted the Viking job and that he got turned away there. And... Interesting. Okay. Green Bay Packers, Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll dive into uh, to this matchup, Lions-Chargers, a much more entertaining football game. Yeah, I mean, I guess if uh, Green Bay and Pittsburgh's at one end of the spectrum, you'd, you'd see Dan Campbell converting four fourth downs at the other end. And uh, Joshua Dobbs is kind of in his own category. With what he's doing in Minnesota, it's remarkable. It's worth every drip of ink it's getting. Uh, I, I can't wait to hear your perspective on 
Joshua Dobbs and, and, and how he was able to pick up this offense, play quarterback, win games, keep playoff hopes alive for the Minnesota Vikings. I think it says a hell of a lot about Kevin O'Connell too. But let's start with the Packers. Groundhog Day, right? It's the same story every week. Uh, it felt like I was back in Atlanta, you know, covering that game, which was you know, a couple months ago at this point. Every game is pretty much the same exact thing for the Packers, where they're not terrible. Jordan Love played his best game as a starter, threw for nearly 300 yards, had those uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit kind of throws that Brett Favre detailed. That third and long touchdown to Jaden Reed being one of them. And then lo and behold, Aaron Jones has arguably his worst game as a pro. And the defense cannot stop Najee Harris and Jalen Warren when everyone in the stadium knows Matt Canada is just going to keep running the ball with numbing succession. They can't stop it. And oh, by the way, there's a, you know, a little lateral controversy that NFL officiating finds a new way to just kind of piss everybody off in every single game, every single week. I don't know. My takeaway, I wrote on it, Bob, at uh, golongtd.com for those who missed it. This really struck me as two teams with, I should say, just two very different species of teams. Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers, I get it. It's ugly. It's not that visually appealing. Everybody just mocks the Steelers every week, but it's no accident. I mean, they just make the plays you have to make to win games. They find a way. They block an extra point when Josiah Deguara is just, you know, like a video game glitch stuck in place. They make that play, and then that point is like a dark cloud over the rest of the game. And, of course, the Steelers capitalize. Of course, Green Bay has to score a touchdown instead of kick a field goal at the end of the game. And, of course, Patrick Peterson isn't fooled on the out and up, tips the ball, and Keanu Neal is there for the interception. They just find a way, man. And Green Bay, conversely, finds a way to lose games. They can't finish. It's in their DNA. And that's the story of the season. Three and six, huh? Wow. Five losses in their last six games. Um, they have a better point differential than the Steelers. They're as good as the Steelers, but the Steelers win their – they've won nine straight one-score games, Pittsburgh and Green Bay. You know, Aaron Rodgers, when he was that first-year starter in 2008 – I went back and looked. I mean, I remember the, the narrative, the theme was that they can't win a close game to save their soul. He was 1-7 that year in one-possession games. And those seven defeats were by a total of 21 points. So it takes time to win close games. He he had he was better statistically than Love. Um, but they couldn't win either, and they finished 6-10. and 10. Green Bay could be heading for something like that. A lot of parallels, huh? The older you get, the more you realize it's not just luck, right? Like teams do have to figure out how to finish games. Some teams can do it. Some teams can't. Specifically to your point, some quarterbacks can do it and some quarterbacks can't. What was the turning point for Aaron Rodgers? I remember that 2008 season, 6-10, and so many close losses. That team, far more talented than this team. But I would think so on an individual 
level, I mean, what was the moment you think for Aaron Rodgers where things clicked late in games, I should hmm. say? Yeah, I, you know, I can't remember the 2009 season, but they won 11 games, I believe. And a big game. I, I can't remember when he turned it around. I don't know. I mean, they started out poorly. They were four and four at the turn, and then they won five straight. They beat Dallas and San Francisco back-to-back, maybe in there. I don't remember. His passer rating in 08 was 93.8. Darn good, especially in that era. And then he went to 103.2 in 2009, 11 and 5, and uh, lost their first playoff game to Arizona when he made some mistakes at the end. But, yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, you know, it's kind of a blah team, (laughs) right? You don't want to be bad and boring. Strikes me as kind of a boring team. Did anything excite you about the Green Bay Packers this game? I talked about Valentine last week. Um, Did anything excite me? (laughs) On a positive (laughs) note, the kick returning of that case on Nixon. He's unreal. Punts yeah. and kickoffs. The guy's hell on wheels. Beyond that, no. <laughs> they got a hell of a return, man, T. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's just got to be disheartening. If you're Matt LaFleur, Brian Good against Russ Ball, I mean, covering these games in person, just gives you a totally different perspective too to to be in that press box. It always kind of blows me away. <clears throat> on the the, the 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 brass is sitting right behind us, right? They're second row. They're right there. There's Russ Ball, Brian Gutekind's fist bumping each other right after the national anthem. They're ready to go, hoping to see something out of Jordan Love because that's what the season's about now. What do you have a quarterback? And I I, I think you can get excited about Jordan Love. He he definitely took strides. He made some plays, made some throws he hadn't before. But it's got to be disheartening that the one player that you expect to rely on, Aaron Jones, is failing to get out of bounds there at the end of the game, is dropping a, a huge third down, is getting tackled by the shoestrings in the red zone. That could have been a touchdown. And is averaging, what, like 2.7 a carry. So, we're just going to kind of let you go position by position, Bob. I wrote on the game. People heard from from me. I, I think getting your perspective on the Packers as this season kind of nosedives is what the people want. So that, that brought back memories, Tyler. The scene in the press box, you know, the uh, anticipation of the Packer brain trust behind our – we're in the first row and they're in the second row, seated behind us, right, T? <laughs> the anticipation – and then either the the agony or the uh, exultation three hours later, and it went on and on every Sunday, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do I miss the scene? Absolutely not. <laughs> All right, let's look it at was, the receiving. It was kind of cool to see Ted Thompson. Like he would not react to anything, would he? I mean, you want to talk stone cold, no. emotionless. Ted Mm-mm. would wouldn't flinch. And in an earlier era. Bob Harlan, especially in his later years as team president, tight games, fourth quarter, he'd go back and pace in the back of the press box. He did not want to watch. 
He was a pacer back there. Yeah, Bob did not like uh, the heat, the stress. <laughs> the serious All right, business, receivers, Bob. you saw these guys. Watson, I don't know, Tyler. I don't know. I can't figure them out. That ball, just a couple things I wrote down. The ball inside, I didn't think he extended for that crosser. He did not get separation deep on a tough play against Peterson in the corner. But, okay, um, you know, Green Bay traded up and took him at number 34. And they needed a <clears throat> start of the second round. They needed a wide out. Some were gone. This is in 2022. And Pickens, the bad boy from Georgia? Georgia. Yeah. He went 52, 18 picks later. I know the Packers investigated the heck out of Pickens. And, you know, he has popped off a little bit in the steel in Pittsburgh. Um, I had some emailers saying that, you know, I was a fool for talking about in that day after story on for us uh, that they took Watson, who was, you know, really an unproven guy. So right now you'd rather have Pickens certainly than Watson. And I don't know what's up with Watson. Um, he had a drop. Uh, he two good catches in the first three plays against the rookie Porter. One more catch after that. I think it was. Okay, let's go on. Dobbs really made a nice corner out against Wallace for that eight-yard touchdown in the corner. Nice play. You know, Wicks, the uh, fifth-round pick, made a couple plays. Reed made a couple plays, too. I mean, he third and two, he made a nice stretch for the sticks. Caught the 35-yard touchdown pass on the from the number three slot on the right on the over route against combo coverage back there. And then caught that ball for 46, worked free there. Musgrave, he did some things too. The seam route for 36 was a beauty. He had a drop at the five-yard line on third and five as a blocker. Well, then he ran a nice corner route against the, uh, the physical inside backer who can't run, Alignan Roberts. But then he comes around on a pull and got absolutely destroyed. Teeth chattered, as one scout often would say. Poor cutoff block on the backside. I don't think he's a blocker. I like Laporta's blocking much better for Detroit. Comparable draft pick. Kraft, I want to see more of Kraft, but he doesn't. He's just used as a blocker. I guess that's about it about the receiving core, Tyler. Uh, they made some plays. There was some progress. And then some disappointment, too. Yeah, to Watson's credit, you know, he was in the visitor's locker room there answering questions. To the very end, he would have stood there all day. I thought he could give some pretty thoughtful answers to some things. You know, like that final throw. I shouldn't say the final throw, but the first interception of the two, <clears throat> the key one that was tipped and picked, um, said, look, him and Jordan Love work on those fade routes in practice, connect on those fade routes in practice. And there's just something different about the games. He said in the red zone, they're doubling Romeo Dobbs a lot, understandably, because of the number of touchdowns he has down there. And they were surprised, you know, that he was doubled, that they bracketed him on that play. <clears throat> you know, whether that's on LaFleur, on Love to get out of the play, they're just not reacting to little things like that, right? I think there's such a good thing that things are streamlined that Matt LaFleur calls a play and then Jordan Love and the offense run that play as opposed to audibly and all the time, as you did at the end there with Aaron Rodgers. But with experience, you're probably going to want a quarterback that's just going to put yourself in a better play there. 
Um, and you know, they don't have, they don't have any experience in the receiver room. You know, he's, I asked Christian Watson, you know, that we constantly hear about this team needing to grow yeah. and that they're so young and where do you find experience? And he said, look, in every position group, we've got experience. We've got the guys, we've got the leaders. I shouldn't say experience. I've got the leaders. And uh, he said, you know, in their room, he's a leader. Well, he's in a second year with Romeo. Like they, <laughs> they don't, they don't have anybody. Uh, speaks to the state, state situation. I'll just make one little tiny analogy on experience. Um, I'm really into Michigan basketball too. And they're three and all, they were picked for 12 from the big 10. They got grad transfers from Alabama, Seton Hall, and Tennessee. They've totally changed the entire team. They are just taking the floor now. They're all business. They're like 22 years old. They're beating freshmen. They look great. They're the surprise team of the country. And this is experience. Experience is kind of valuable, Tyler, you know? <laughs> yeah. It is. I mean, the way Peterson broke down that play, we, we got into it. He said, look, he wasn't fooled. And when he turned, he didn't get caught looking where he shouldn't be looking. He focused on the ball, made the play, knew that there was a safety back there. Didn't know it was Keanu Neal, but knew somebody was back there. So he kind of kept it in play. Just just little things, the games within the game. So there's going to be a lot of gloom and doom here regarding the pack. So hang with us till the McGinn memory. That's going to take, take, take you back to, man, the high watermark of my beat days in Green Bay. So we'll... We're going to have a very cheery McGinn memory, okay? Uh All right, let's go to the old line. You know, I didn't think Tom was too bad against uh, T.J. Watt. I kind of like Tom. Um, He made a great pull on Dylan's 40-yard run, wiped out the the inside backer, Mark Robinson. Yeah, he gave up a sack to Watt. Yeah, he had a holding penalty. He got beat inside against Watt. He had an illegal formation penalty, but he was never embarrassed. And this is a guy, a fourth-round pick from Wake Forest. They have a future with Tom. Um, The rest of these guys, nobody was terrible. I mean, Rasheed Walker had a really tough matchup over there against Highsmith. Um, I mean, he's not great. And, you know, obviously they missed Bakhtiari. But, I mean, they did some decent things in the running game. I thought the old line was okay. Um, Jenkins, I don't know. I mean, should he be playing left tackle for this outfit and then start, you know, somebody start Newman inside or even try Sean Ryan inside? But I don't think Jenkins is playing that well right now like he did in years past. Maybe he's not athletic enough to handle playing outside, but you would think he's a better left tackle than Walker, and that's a crucial position. So that's really about it at the O-line, T. I'll just keep going. Let's go to love. Um, you know, he can look like a million bucks. I love how speedy his, uh, his drop back is, both from under center and from shotgun when he wants to go back four or five yards. He's just so graceful. He's got stature, his carriage. He's mobile, his toughness. And he made beautiful throws. I'm not going to go through them all. You, you know, you've covered that, Tyler. Um but yet, he's the least accurate guy in the NFL. And when he sets up and he has time and he loads up and he fires, you don't know where in the hell the ball's going. I mean, you just don't. It's just, it's erratic. You, you just don't know it, whether it's footwork 
or reads or lack of timing and time spent with these this young receiving core who don't show body language of, you know, overachievers and hard chargers. You just don't know where it's going to go. And we're so used to knowing where it's going to go, you know. I mean, Favre in his great years with time, the ball was going where it was supposed to. And with Rodgers, it was going where it was supposed to. You just don't know. The guy looks poised. Um, but then let's just get right down to it, you know. I mean, he's got two possessions to win the game, down by four. The first time starting from his own 25 with three timeouts and five minutes left. And the tough pick in the end zone on the great play by Patrick Peterson. And then with 59 seconds left, starting from his 19, no timeouts. I mean, he did some really nice things. He avoided, he hit Reed for 46. He avoided a sack on third down, threw the ball away. Beautiful stuff. Fourth and three, he hit Dylan, I believe, for a check down. Good stuff. Got the ball and got this organization lined up on the ball. Clocked it, three seconds left. All great stuff. And then they run, you know, uh, kind of five vert. And I don't know. It's a tough ball to complete. They got seven people in the end zone. You got five receivers going. But you got to make something happen to win games, Tyler. And it just didn't happen. So I like this sidearm delivery at times. You see good stuff. Again, the face, I can't read him, but he seems composed. It was a pretty good performance by Love albeit a losing one. Is it enough to keep that Packers brass up there optimistic about 2024? Where, where do you think they are? With the fans, fans, Tyler? No, I'm, I'm Gudikins, ball. Oh, front office. Or, right. No decision yet. I don't know. Need more time. Yeah. To be determined. <laughs> Let's go to the running backs. The scouts, you don't say running, you say running backs. R-U-N-N-I and apostrophe. They all speak <laughs> like that. All right, so for the running backs, Dylan had a nice game, Tyler. I mean, uh, on that 40-yard run, man, he showed his speed. He outran uh, that guy from San Diego State, the safety, DeMonte Casey. That guy's a wicked hitter, too, and uh, he really outran him. He made a slip on second and seven with a huge hole, brutal. Dropped the ball in the flat, missed the blitz pickup, as you pointed out in your story, on third and seven. Um, but he hit holes hard. He played pretty good. You're a little harder on Aaron Jones than I am. I can't rip the guy, Tyler. <laughs> I got a soft spot for a good old Aaron. Um, second effort on that third and one toss. I love the way he got to the marker on that one. He had the drop. He had the fourth and six. Uh, he dropped the throw back on third and 11. He couldn't outrun Roberts in the flat, which surprised me on a 12-yard pass. Um, that's it in the running backs. We never saw Emmanuel Wilson. Uh, they didn't play against a great defense. Was it really loud there, Tyler? It was. was. That a fa- yeah. Yeah, those Steeler fans are loud. But you know what? There was a good amount of Packer fans, and I don't – it's easy to say that at every road game, but it was noticeable. Really? Walking walking into the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, mm-hmm. there, was a, there was a lot. that They were allowed themselves. I remember the biggest contingent of enemy fans, as Lee Remo would say, that I ever saw at Lambeau. The first one was Steeler fans in maybe, I don't know. I can't remember. 
20 years ago. It was maybe 5,000, Tom Silverstein and I estimated. Um, yeah, they travel. So Green Bay still, the fans out there are interested. All right, so let's go to the D line. Really good game for Kenny Clark, Tyler. Um, a lot of penetration. I kind of like the Steeler line, too. Some of the penetration, at times they let Kenny take himself out of plays just by kind of letting him go. I mean, he, was, he, he wasn't he was reading. He was just going, man. And at times he just kind of overran stuff and took himself off. But other times, man, he had a flush against the guard, the ex-Bear Daniels. He had another flush. He got held by the center, Mason Cole. He was walking him back. Another flush. Uh, he slipped the, the left tackle, uh, Moore, on a carry for two yards. He had a good game. He really did. Slayton, I mean, the whole focus of that run game was between the guards, right? I mean, it was right at Big Slayton. I thought he, he was awful in the first drive, and um, they just ran it at him, man. I mean, we'll get to the linebackers. They were also running at those inside backers, but Slayton was the first line of defense. Wyatt, on the ground a lot. Uh, running running plays were 12, 10, and 6 at him. Uh, I thought he had a really long afternoon. Brooks, the guy from Bowling Green, he's done some good stuff in the rush, but I don't really think he's a run player. He's not disciplined enough at this point. He has strength. He's a little, little high cut. And uh, Wooden got, man, the Colby Wooden got KO'd at the point on a toss for 12, brutal. I didn't think they were very good at all. Pretty weak D-line. Let's go to the edge, guys. Uh, I keep wanting to talk about Van Ness. Uh, how many snaps did he have this week? Let's check it. Van Ness had 19, Engabar 21, Gary 44, Preston Smith 46. So they're not playing Van Ness a lot. He shows long pursuit. He's got that big 40 time. You see that. Um, but he is an ineffective pass rusher. He had one hurry on a stunt, which led to a sack. He missed a tackle twice. He's not there yet. Uh, Rashawn Gary, he's up against the Georgia tackle, Broderick Jones, 14th pick in the draft this year. I didn't think he played very well at all. I got him for one hurry. He did some things flattening against running plays away from him. But at the point of attack, I thought he got shoved around. He plays light in the ass, as they say. Preston Smith, you know, down in, down out, I don't think he's that good, but he makes flash plays. I mean, he had a sack, uh, but that was flushed to him by, I think, Slayton. I can't remember. He had a hurry against Moore, resulting in a holding penalty, and he beat Moore inside the young left tackle for another flush. He was okay. Angabar, uh, no thoughts on him, and uh, that's it. Let's go to the off-the-ball backers. All right, so uh, – Quay Walker doesn't play. Obviously, they wouldn't have run inside the guard so much with him standing in there. I mean, he's 240, 245, and he provides bulk and strength and youth and explosion, you know? All right, so you got McDuffie and Campbell. Campbell's the veteran. He's just not physical, Tyler. I mean, I, I see Detroit, obviously, in addition to Packer games, and he is nothing the way 
Jack Campbell plays, Anzalone, Barnes, or Rodriguez, the young kid from Texas Tech who played extensively last year, he he just does not attack blocks. He doesn't shed. He gets Velcroed when he does. He's just getting making plays nine, ten yards downfield, six yards downfield. I just don't see it. Uh, I thought he left his gap on the first touchdown, a four-yard walk-in by uh, Najee Harris. Uh, he's the exact opposite of uh, Landon uh, Roberts, the ex-Belichick guy who's now starting for the Steelers. He made a nice play in the pass. A great a pass broke up over there against Warren on third and three. Good play. He got a knockdown on a boot. Nice read and react. Good explosion of the passer. But in in a blood and guts game, which this is this was, he doesn't he doesn't cut it. McDuffie, he's small, you know, but he stuffed that quarterback sneak. He's a tough kid. He had a missed tackle, but he had a knockdown when he bowled through Najee Harris on a on a blitz pickup. I I can't knock McDuffie. He's a he's a pretty tough kid, and he plays. And what Walker would have done, uh, I think he would have helped him. I don't know how much they would have taken advantage of him on misdirection. They would have tried, certainly. So the inside linebacker play with Campbell was not good enough. He's not playing any, any anywhere the way, the way he did in 2021. All right, defensive backs. Uh, I mean, they got three starters missing, right? Alexander, Stokes, Savage. Ford is the one starter. I mean, they're playing with <laughs> replacement level people. Uh, okay, Nixon, the nickelback, he had a couple of missed tackles. He had an interception, out of bounds, didn't count. Uh, he had a holding penalty. He doesn't, he hits hard when he can line up the opponent, but he does not break, break down well in space. Um, maybe that's why he was a free agent. I don't know, but then he'll come in and upend Najee Harris with a great hit for no game. He's a tough guy, but limitations. All right, Valentine, he plays with swagger. He got uh, pass interference penalty against Johnson, 17 yards. Pickens beat him on the back shoulder for 28, but that's that's all fine. The guy didn't hurt himself. They attacked Valentine, the 50-year veteran who's over there starting. You know, the guy wasn't that terrible. Um, I mean, he's a backup, and he's a fifth or sixth corner pressed into starting starting duty for Alexander. I don't know anything about Alexander's injuries this year, Tyler, but he's missed a lot of games. And we know he got paid, and I don't have any idea what's going on or where his head is in the middle of a 3-6 season, but that's not helping him any. Um Valentine was okay in run support. He's not afraid. He had a couple nice pass breakups. He got beat a little bit, but he was okay. Uh, the safeties, uh, Owens, the ex-Texan, he's a tough kid, Tyler. I mean, he's small. He's tough. I mean, those NFL safeties, man. You played back there, Tyler. I played back there. <laughs> it's brutal business, isn't it? You're back there 12 yards in a two deep, and you got Najee Harris or somebody hauling ass at you. Yeah. <laughs> and you break. I don't even want to think about doing that anymore. But we, we, everybody did it that played back there. And Owens just goes in and drills people, you know. It's just. That's such a know. great point, Bob. I mean, I was watching the game last night, Denver, Buffalo, Javante Williams. 
physical runner. I mean, runs behind his pads, as they say. But man, coming downhill, Taylor Rapp, I believe it was, the safety. It was just an old school collision. I mean, I felt like I got a stinger just watching it. Taylor Rapp's arm, it just kind of hung at the side of his body. Really? Dead. Yeah. I can vividly remember, I mean, a reference high school, like being back there at safety. You've got a running back coming at you at full speed, and you're just kind of waiting there. And you, you basically just have to try to arm tackle him from the side or do what NFL players do and just, just dive at his legs and just, which I, I, I could never really get to that place where you just dive at a guy's legs as he's coming at you full speed, not knowing how your head and your neck is going to enter the equation. And if, if Owens misses that tackle and that 12 yard gain goes to 48 or something, I'm all over him the next day and raiding the Packers and the sidebar guys are at his locker. Tough business, man. All right, let's go to Ford, uh, Rudy Ford. He sticks his nose in there, too. He's done it all year. He did it last year, but he misses a couple tackles. I think he's straight line. He's a straight line speed guy from Auburn. He ran under 4-4 coming out, but he's a straight line guy. Um, He set up a sack with a nice flush. I don't know. I mean, they weren't up against a very good offense, and they just got beat. They just flat weren't good enough, you know? That's what that's what what it is when you're three and six. And Tyler, I remember this stuff when teams start falling into this thing. I know what it's like. You don't. <laughs> you don't, young man. But I do. And a lot of the fans of my generation also know it. So we'll see where it goes. Special teams, pretty bad. Um, all right, the block sec- blocked extra point. You know. Had I been on the beat, I mean, I would have investigated this and, you know, fought, got to the bottom of it. Was that, okay, we know DeGora. Did he touch uh, Peterson with that le- with his left elbow? You don't think there was Apparently, any movement? There's, I you mean, he was no? frozen in place when the ball was snapped. Are you sure? Didn't he just a little bit trying to get a tiny piece of him? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't good enough. Did Carl like Matt LaFleur put it on him? I mean, he oh, did so many he? words. Yeah. I haven't yeah. read anything, any quotes. Oh, he did. Okay. Mm-hmm. The ball was not kicked low. No, no. It's on DeGora. It is. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Him. Thank you. I haven't read nothing. All right. Uh, again, Nixon, 49 yard kickoff return. He's average is 27.8. He's the player of the game. Um, Reed fumbles that punt, recovered it by himself. Carlson hits the first kickoff, hooks it over at the one. He gets a break or just gets into the end zone. The second one, he hooks it over there out of bounds. I don't know if that led to scoring plays. Whalen, he did, he punted pretty good, but you know, his net, he's like 30th in the league right now. Tyler, I got nothing more on the Packers until we get to them again, memory. Should we go yeah, to the Lions? I, I think we just go to the Lions. It's it's a team yeah. in a bad place. And yeah, right. you know, the last note on the Packers that I think is going to be frustrating for fans down the stretch is that they actually do have a few winnable games here, like Carolina, the Giants. They're not going to I guess we'll we'll find out. Maybe they do. I, I don't think they're going to pick in the top five. 
you're probably looking at like a seventh or eighth overall pick outside looking in on those elite of the elite prospects not a lot of money to spend in free agency still kind of working your way through cap hell because you went all in with Aaron Rodgers oddly enough I think there's going to be some issues into 2024 that's why it's all about Jordan Love figuring out if he's the future hoping to see signs of life in him and I I think he played better I think that if you're looking for optimism in Pittsburgh on the road I get it. It's not Greg Lloyd and Kevin Green and LeVon Kirkland and Rod Woodson and those great Pittsburgh teams of the 90s. But you still got TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, you know, Patrick Peterson, what's left of him 13 years in. He's, he's Hayward returned this week. Hayward. Cam yeah. Hayward's in there. Hell of a player. It's, it's a damn good defense on the road with a lot going wrong around you still. And he made some throws. Gave him a shot. Yeah. Got to figure, got to figure out a way to finish. And even on that no last play, you know, there's seven guys along the back line. So I get it. Maybe it's a, it's doomed from the snap, but that, what a perfect example. Like instead of just throwing that ball in rhythm, right. To a stealer, get outside of the pocket, right. Buy yourself some time and, and find your six, five, six, six tight end and just give him a shot, throw a jump ball. That's what Rogers would have done. Right. T. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Improvise, get to the second, whatever. Have, have twelve people in that end zone moving around the second time, right? And yeah, maybe exactly second reaction. You're dead right. He would have done that. Yeah, yeah. far might have too. And that's All right. that's that's what he has to work on right now. It's just those make some shit happen throws, like Favre said. And that was an opportunity for one. I, who knows what would have happened? I think that's the goal for the Packers the rest of the season. All right, let's go to the Lions. I'm going to start out with uh, two things. Now, you know, Campbell went crazy on fourth down again. I think he went for it five times, converted four. And the game on the line, fourth and two, and uh, a complete golf. He throws rather than kicking a short field goal to take a three-point. No. The field goal would have made it a, I can't even remember, a six-point game. Yeah, it was the final score was 41-38. And had he kicked the field goal, it would have been a longer field goal. It would have been a six-point lead then. And then he would have had to kick off. But fourth and two from the Chargers 26, one minute and 47 seconds left. And Jared Goff found Sam Laporta for six yards. So, and the score was 41-38 to 38 Detroit at that point. No, it was no, tied. It was tied, 38-38. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Right. So they were able to melt melt the clock, basically, and get closer. Yeah. So Campbell's doing his normal Tuesday radio show today, and I happened to hear him when I was in my car. And um, <laughs> he says, somebody said, asking him about all these fourth down uh, gambles. He said, well, I always tell my family to uh, wear a diaper before the game. <laughs> he says, you never know. And, you know, the hosts are just <laughs> cracking up. And then he said in the Monday press conference, I got his transcript. Now, I've talked about this, about the lion thing. And he was asked about wide receiver blocking. And he said, I say it all the time. If you want to be known as a physical team, your receivers have to block in the run game 
and your corners have to tackle on defense. And we do that. We do that here. I think it's a rite of passage. And they showed up. They showed up big. We want physical dominance from the perimeter. And I thought all those receivers really showed up. And the only other thing I'll just say from this thing that was interesting. Um, I thought Ben Johnson called a hell of a game. My gosh. I just felt like he was two steps ahead. And, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to call a better game than he defense, than he did offensively. And, you know, coach, head coaches who talk about coordinators are so full of bullshit most of the time. <laughs> this guy, he's not BSing. He never does. He All right, so let's go to the game. Um, the Chargers are going to be tough for the Packers come Sunday at Lambeau. You know, uh, Justin Herbert's really good. Keenan Allen is unreal. They got a good offensive line that Green, the Detroit could not crack at all. And their defense, they got some players. I mean, they gave up a lot of yards, but like, like Campbell said, Ben Johnson and that offense was on fire. Um, one thing about the way the Lion, Lion fans in LA, man, Herbert had to keep holding his ear holes. Now, I know they're not exactly a uh, passionate fan base at SoFi for the Chargers, but still, Lion fans in L.A., and it was a, it was like a home game crowd. They are traveling, man. And it, I, as I repeat again, it was like Green Bay the way it was in the early to mid-'90s. Very similar situation. All right, the receivers. Is anything changed? St. Brown is just unreal. Same deal. Reynolds doesn't get enough balls, but he's always there for him. Laporta, man, he KO'd Joey Boza on the goal line on a short run. The guy is really eager to block, unlike Musgrave. Um, and he makes catches. He's in a three-point stance on third and two, runs a corner, corner route, 19-yard catch. And then with the game on the line, fourth and two, 143 left. He uh, he gets inside of the inside backer. Murray sits down, gain of six, clutches it, and that led to the winning field goal. Brock Wright, a guy they think is really uh, reliable. Third and one. Goff audibles, play action, touchdown. Goff feathers it 25, 25 yards over Derwin James for a touchdown to Brock Wright, who can't write, can't run, never gets the ball. Little Khalif Raymond, they call him Leaf, um, comes across the middle against Eric Kendricks, the ex-Viking, 41 yards. And the final thing I'll mention is uh, uh, Jamison Williams, the old Jamo. He had a touchdown on a bubble screen, wiped out. It was a nice run. He cracked back on Derwin James. He showed a lot of a lot of balls on that one. He made a good low catch for 13 yards. And when Montgomery had the 75-yard run when they off an audible by Goff, I mean, he showed amazing speed. He outran James and he outran uh, Sante Samuel to block Samuel on that 75-yard touchdown. So the guy is really trying, and I thought he played better this week than I've seen him. Let's go to the old line. The group's intact. You're going against Boza and you're going against Khalil Mack. Tyler, that old line, they really hold the balance of power right now. They are really good. Uh, Jonah Jackson was back at left guard. 
man, let's look up his 40 time. He pulled about four times. Let's see what he ran coming out of Ohio State. He was at Temple before, or was it his last year at Temple? I can't remember. But Joan is a big-time guard, and they're going to have to try to re-sign him, and they probably won't be able to. Six three and a half, three oh six. He only ran five two six. Well, he moved pretty good there, but he had fresh legs too. He missed a couple three games. Um, very destructive on the pole when he gets out there. Physical guy. Uh, Decker really did well against Mac. Um, couple hurries. That was it. Um, over on the other side, Sewell against Boza. Very impressive performance. Frank Ragnall, the center, and he pulls. They pull him a lot. They pull the center, kind of like the Eagles do with Kelsey. And, you know, he's a lot bigger man than Kelsey. He's not that graceful, but he still runs good. Um, he got beat on the goal line for a minus negative play. Uh, he's He might be the best center in the business after Kelsey. He's a different type. He's a big man. But, boy, the difference between him and Josh Myers when you see him every week, Pretty substantial. And the right guard, they're playing Glasgow now. Vitae just went on IR today with a back issue. And Glasgow has been okay. He's been around forever, uh, ninth, ninth, eighth year, but he's been an okay player. So that's it there, Tyler. Let's go to the QB. Um, you know, Goff is really the adult in the house. He is so professional in the downtimes, the uptimes. His celebrations are are measured. But yet, part of the part of the deal. But you know, he he is really an extension of the coaching staff. No turnovers. Feathered the ball to right. Game on the line. Goes through his progression on fourth and two. The O line gives him a chance to go through the progression. He knows they're going to block for him, and they do. It's quite a luxury to have. Jordan Love doesn't have that. Almost very few in the NFL do. But he takes advantage of it. He knows he has time. Outstanding performance. The running backs, I mean, this this offense was on fire. Uh, unreal the first drive. It was just pure perfection. And then they had a penalty at the end and had to settle for a field goal. But um, everybody's healthy now. Montgomery, they run the ball on fourth and five, Tyler. And Montgomery makes, makes uh, Khalil Mack miss and gets it by about half a yard. Uh, he his eyes are up. He bleeds, runs. You know him. He, he gets small in the hole. We saw it in Chicago for four or five years. Cut back on that 75-yard touchdown. Um, he When nothing's there, he gets something. And then Gibbs, you know, what was the playing time? Let's check the snaps. Gibbs had uh, Montgomery 25, Gibbs 38. So Montgomery's first game back. But Gibbs is so electric right now. He's healthy. He gets that crap knocked out of him. Two big hits in a row, Tyler. Pops right back up, you know. On a touchdown drive, he had four carries for 52 yards. Um, outruns people. A screen for 24. Fourth and one, they run him wide. Touchdown. Um, ball's tipped at the line. He's on an option route. Focuses, concentrates, catches it for 14. <sighs> He's pretty exciting. He's he's the way uh, Swift was in Detroit the first couple of years, but he could never stay healthy. But this is quite a one-two pudge. And then they use Rodriguez, the linebacker, as fullback. He cut the heck out of Joey Boza on a touchdown run. 
Uh, Johnson and Campbell, they try things. They're, they got stuff. It's just, uh, you never know what's coming. They love to run St. Brown on running plays, little inside toss stuff, you know? You know that's coming once every two weeks. And and they just got it going on offense right now. The defense is a different a different story. Go on to the D. Um, well, you saw they signed Bruce Irvin today, right? Bruce Irvin. Yeah. Unbelievable. Still yeah. going. One of my first stories at Bleach Report, actually, back in 2016, I want to say. Flew out to uh, Napa for Raiders training camp, sat down with Bruce Irvin. His uh, life is hmm. unbelievable. I mean, breaking into crack houses, I believe, as a kid. Hmm. He lived pretty rough, man. Wow. What a career, yeah. though. I mean, that's remarkable that he's still playing. And I mean, he was about three, four years into his career. Then how many was he drafted in 2012? Maybe. I don't know. West Virginia. Yeah, 2012. Right? Yep, first round, twenty twelve, Seattle. How many sacks does he have in his career? You know, in I'll Seattle, he'd get 70. pressure, but he wouldn't get a lot of sacks. But it looks like, yeah, just fifty five and a half. Um, okay. But hmm. Seattle to Oakland to Atlanta to Carolina to Seattle to Chicago to Seattle, really to now yeah, this is to Detroit this year, halfway through. Yeah. Was he in a training camp this year? I don't think so. You know, I, I touched base with him last year at some point, I think, and he wasn't on a team, and I got the sense that he was just going to cruise through minicamp OTAs, training camp. You know, these vets, they don't care about that stuff when they're – how old is he at this point? 36 years old. 36 he just turned. Campbell dropped on the radio this morning that he doesn't think James Houston, if he comes back, it would be late December. Wow. That's the doctors maybe talked to Dan this morning. Dan <laughs> reveals it in, on the radio and then they go and sign Irvin, you know. All right. You know, they got Hutchinson and Hutchinson had like four pressures in this game against Pipkins, the right tackle, who's not a bad free agent. Uh, no, excuse me, late pick. Um, but he's not getting home, and he sees all kinds of chips and doubles. His effort's fantastic, but he's just got no help, you know. Charles Harris is not rushing the passer. He's been kind of a dud this year, surprisingly so. Uh, the two Aquaras, I mean, they're just okay. They tried Josh Pascal sometimes on the edge, but he's not an edge. They've tried Jack Campbell out there and Barnes out there, but that doesn't work. They're grasping for straws. And the way they got picked apart by the Chargers, they did not look like a, not even anything resembling a Super Bowl defense, Tyler. So uh, up front, McNeil, I mean, they got run at too. They got Kaminsky, Jones, Pascal. These guys are tough. Aline McNeil's their best. They're deep, but... McNeil's their best player, but it's not really a Super Bowl defensive front. The inside backers, that is Super Bowl quality. That darn Anzalone um, from Florida, seventh-year veteran. I've seen this many times now. Man, when a quarterback boots or scrambles and Anzalone's either spying or kind of covering or something and he thinks he's got somebody to cover the receiver, he explodes on that guy 
he gets across the line of scrimmage. He's like Anthony Barr when Barr hit Rogers up in the Metrodome and broke his collarbone. Rogers mis- misjudged Barr's speed. That's what Anzalone is. And he just zooms in there and he drilled Herbert once or twice. He is one tough cookie. Uh, he had a m- couple missed tackles in this game, but he's very active. He's really a good player. Jack Campbell, he's playing. He, you know, they're not playing him at Sam anymore. They're not playing him as a pass rusher. He is really a rugged take on guy. He would help Green Bay immensely with that interior run defense. Now he overruns stuff to the sidelines, um, but he's a, he's coming on. Um, great hit on the goal line. He's going to be a good player, and they got so much depth. Barnes, the guy from Purdue, Tyler on the goal line. He is a violent hitter. You see, uh, you know, you see Quay Walker doing some of this violent stuff, uh, but Barnes now in his third year is reacting better than Walker does. Um, and then they got backups galore. They got Rodriguez, Reeves, Maven, and Pittman. They all like those guys. They got seven off-the-ball backers on this roster right now. They moved a guy from the practice squad from Saginaw Valley State, Nawaski, because they feared somebody poaching them. They got seven off-ball backers. It's crazy. It's two more than any – three more than some teams. Um Okay, that's it there. Uh, let's go look at the secondary. Secondary got exposed, Tyler. They don't have a pass rush. Sutton, as you know, the guy from the Steelers, is a by-the-book, fundamentally sound guy. But, you know, he, he can't run run with the racehorses deep. And he gets beat. He gets PIs. He's tough as hell. Now to Jacobs, Jerry Jacobs, the free agent, tough as hell, like Campbell wants. You know, violence on the perimeter. But yet – he gives up plays too. He, he's grabby. You see all that happening to him. Branch, uh, the, the good nickelback, he wasn't even in the game. I mean, he was in the game, but he was not, nobody threw near him. The safeties, uh, Joseph, he had a pick. That was because of that great pressure. Um, he missed a couple of tackles. He got burned deep. I wasn't impressed with him. And uh, Walker, uh, he, he didn't do much either. Uh, Kicker's really good. Riley Patterson won the game, 41-yard, hit it, worked just the way Campbell wanted. They got a hell of a punter. Their special teams are good. That's the Lions, T. Tough win for them, 7-2. and Any thoughts on the fact, it seems like a lot of people are talking about Dan Campbell's balls. (laughs) You know, whenever a coach goes for it on fourth down that much, I feel like we're talking about that coach's testicles just a little too much. Every time I turn on TV or radio, it seems to be a topic du jour. I don't know. We got to think of a different way to uh, articulate a coach's aggressiveness on fourth down. A lot, a lot of testicle talk this week, I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, all right, let's look at the Vikings, T. <laughs> <laughs> enough lion talk i got nothing more to say about campbell you know he's yeah. a coach of the year candidate with uh D'Amico ryan's i mean there's some others but one thing i'll say about campbell in all seriousness good god does he get the absolute best out of his players on an individual basis right i'm, I'm covering the, the the packers the buffalo bills here in western new york you know, Brandon Bean is, I think he's a better GM than most 
around here may believe because look at some of the players they drafted and look what they do elsewhere, right? They're not getting coached up like they probably should here. Wyatt Teller, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary just ran for like 150 some yards. Um, the, the, the players in the Lions, it seems like are having their best seasons, career seasons with the Lions, you know, guys that might've flamed out elsewhere. They get the best out of those players. And that speaks to coaching as much as anything. Let's look at it, Tyler. Josh Reynolds, certainly. Uh, he knows golf. He knew uh, Brad Holmes. He's had a terrific, he's been terrific uh, in Detroit. Who else came from places? Jared Goff. We know what they've done with him. He's playing his best football. David Montgomery. He's Montgomery. playing just like he did in Chicago. Uh, Kaminsky was a bust in Atlanta. They Kaminsky came back to, to Detroit for a one-year deal. Said he really wanted to play again for Campbell. Um, Benito Jones and Bugs, they both bounced around. They're both pretty solid players. Anzalone's a lot better than he was in New Orleans. Cameron Sutton, he's playing good, the ex-stealer. Yeah, that's a bunch of guys right there. Yeah. Up and down the roster. Yeah. Good little segue. Minnesota Vikings. Joshua Dobbs, your thoughts on what's becoming one of the biggest stories of the 2023 season, Bob? Yeah. So they've won how many? Five in a row? Yeah. yeah. One and four. Now they're six and four. Last two with Dobbs. So he's basically won his two, two appearances. He came in for the injured hall last week. Um, live arm, good feet, mobile, made some amazing improv improvisational scrambles, throws on the run, uh, spins out of trouble, eyes in the back of his head. <laughs> he throws some some low low balls, uh, uh, grass balls. Um, to get a starter like that, you know, I mean, I, we know the names people were throwing around. I was even throwing around. We won't get into all that, but they they traded this guy. I mean, it's a great move by that by the the GM over there and the coach, and they get this guy and they coach him up in twelve days, and he's got two wins, and they're in contention, and they're six and four. It is amazing stuff, isn't it? It it, it really is. I mean, Quasi Adolfo Mensa had a lot of options with Kevin O'Connell, a quarterback. I threw around Matt Ryan. Um, God, what what other names? I mean, just Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, right? He's posting pictures with all the team logos on, <laughs> begging a team to sign him. You know, they, they could have gone for broke with a trade and, and done what Rick Spielman did, you know, giving away a first for Sam Bradford once upon a time. And all they do is pick up Dobbs, and all he does is just jump right in. And, oh, by the way, they don't have Justin Jefferson. It's amazing. Uh, they were one and four with Jefferson, I believe, and they're four and zero without him, or five and zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, the only other thing I'll say about the Vikes, and we can move on, Tyler, is Jordan Hicks, their inside backer, the ex-Cardinal, ex-Eagle. I've never liked him, but he's having a great year, and. Um, we're going to be doing the all midseason, all NFC North team here in a couple of days. And Hicks has had a great year. He's been a very worthy replacement for Eric Kendricks. 
Well, he suffered a compartment syndrome injury on a shin and he had surgery and he went on IR. It's a tremendous blow for the Vikings. He was green dot running the show. He's not the most physical guy. He's okay physical, but in this blitz scheme of Flores, he was running the show. That's a huge loss. And that's why I think they signed Anthony Barr. They brought, brought him back on the practice squad. He's probably going to be playing next to the little guy, uh, Ivan Pace. Um, that's about it on the Vikes. Um, we'll cover them in the North team. Okay, T? Real quick, you mentioned the green dot. This might have been your draft series two years ago. They're all amazing. And you you were writing on the inside linebackers, and I think your lead was about you know the linebackers that can handle that responsibility with the green dot, which means they're getting the play calls in and running the show. Did you get the reference for the headline I put on that? I think I said, like, who's green dot worthy? No. I just wonder if anybody out there even got it. Just everything comes back to Seinfeld, man. Sponge worthy. Are you sponge worthy? Does that ring a bell at all? Were you not a Seinfeld fan? Bob. It's a different kind of a different generation, T. I wasn't in the Jerry at all. Oh. Do you I like George laugh? Carlin? Do you like comedy? Okay. George okay. Carlin. That's my era. I like it. Timeless George Carlin. I like <laughs> yeah. it. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'll just stop it there. Everybody listening out there who does enjoy Seinfeld will, will remember that one though. All right. And the Bears, they get a victory. I watched that. Broke that game down against Carolina. Anything to talk about? They got some people. We'll see how they do on the NFC North team. Uh, Tyson Bagent was okay. Uh, they won a game against a bad team, a bad game. It was horrific. <laughs> but they're half a game behind the Packers, aren't they? Three and seven. Good God. <laughs> Man. Yeah, definitely. Everybody out there, make sure you tune in for Bob McGinn's All NFC North midseason team at Go Along Later This Week. Always a must read. And now he's holding a, is that a Milwaukee Journal Sentinel from, hey, I, I remember that game. Is that 1996 Packers Chargers? A punishing roll, it says, twenty or 42 to 10. So, Tyler, this was a beautiful September 15th, mid-September day at Lambeau, 1996. The Pack Alumni Day. I loved Alumni Day when all those alumni players came back. Um, I always thought and that the home opener. I think no, it wasn't the home opener. It was Alumni Day. It was like seventy-five degrees. Who was on the sidelines that day? Bart Starr and his wife Cherry, Ray Nitschke, Dave Robinson, Willie Wood, Paul Kaufman, Herb Adderley, Paul Horning, Fuzzy Thurston, Bob Skaronsky, and Max McGee. You know, 27 years, 28 years ago. Yeah, and this team was coming of age, Tyler. Man, they they just exploded on the NFL. And everybody of any age will remember this time. They just jumped on people that year. So they were 2-0 going in. Green Bay had not won the first two games since 1981. Holmgren, slow start traditionally. The Chargers came in 2-0 under Bobby Ross. Pack was an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. 
Lambo seating capacity, 60,60790. Only 106 people did not show. 60,584 at Lambo that beautiful sunny day. Uh, the Chargers had been to the Super Bowl in 94. They were 9 and 7 and 95. They had a good team. Um, check it. Green Bay's first 2 and 0 start since 82. Um, Holmgren closed practice all week to the media. Yeah. Now, there were no uh, um, players, uh, what's the Writers Association rules about open practice when you can be open? Green Bay just left it open like most teams did during the regular season. But Mike periodically would close it for the whole week. And we had it pretty darn good. It was open all the time. So we didn't wouldn't bitch about it. And on Friday, we asked him, why'd you close it, Mike? And he said, because he didn't want, he wanted to yell at his players in private. <laughs> Quote, we're not going to live on our laurels. <laughs> and Michael Bauman, our great columnist at the Journal Sentinel, he wrote a column a couple of days before the game about overconfidence. Remember Leroy Butler had predicted in training camp they were going to go undefeated. So they were trying to tamp that down a little bit. So I talked to Bobby Beathard, the Charger GM, during the week for a feature uh, from the front office. And Bobby said uh, he was down scouting at Miami the week before. And all the coaches at the Miami Hurricanes wanted to discuss was going up the Lambeau field. I didn't think one of them I spoke to didn't mention it, said Beathard, the 59-year-old GM. When they asked who we were playing this week, and I said the Packers, they all said, oh, my God. We're up against a team that everybody looks at as probably the NFC representative in the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that just because we're playing them. When we looked at that Monday night game, I think that was against Philly the week before. My God, we're playing a team who probably is further along than any at that at this point in the league. They've really put together a great team. And it seems like they're all playing well together. All right, so on to the game. Stan Humphreys was the quarterback. Um, 42 to 10, Green Bay. The Chargers had 141 yards, their lowest in four years. They were physically dominated. And I had gotten after them about not being a physical team in the early years under Holmgren. They didn't run it well with Edgar Bennett. And they kind of got pushed around at times. And that was a huge thing. And Billy Devaney, the Chargers director of player personnel under Beathard, talked to him after the game. He said, everybody talks about the West Coast offense, but they're a physical football team. I don't know what the story was in the past because we don't play them. But right now they're both a skillful and physical team. He said, we did. Then he went back to the Super Bowl and they got their – Destroyed by the 49ers two years earlier, 49-26. I was asking him to compare those Niners to this Packer team. He said, this game was worse because we got physically whipped. Obviously, we gave up a lot of big plays in the Super Bowl. We did that today, but we also got our asses kicked. And the Chargers had bludgeoned the Seahawks in Cincinnati the first two games. They were just overrun by that front four. Dotson, White, Brown. Jones, overrun, 33 yards rushing. They couldn't do jack. Um, 
talk to, you know, Tyler, I went to that visiting locker room, you know, and the Chargers got a long flight back. I talked to the linebacker coach, Dale Lindsay. I talked to the running back coach, Sylvester Kroon. Talked to Rudy Feldman, the director of player personnel. Talked to Beathard and talked to Billy Devaney. You could talk to anybody you wanted. All right, what did Dale Lindsay say? Now, he coached in Green Bay under uh, under Forrest Gregg, yeah. He said, uh, is Lambeau as difficult a venue as Kansas City Arrowhead or the Kingdom? Shit, yeah, said, said Lindsay. These people are a lot more into the game. Everybody else through the whole league thinks they're so fucking sophisticated. They can't get up and dance and jump and cheer and jump around. What this crowd, what this crowd here wants is a hard day's work. They just trounce the hell out of us. <laughs> um, and then finally, now Green Bay, this was their 20th home victory out of 21. He said, what was it like? He said, our guys, the ones that had never been here, were absolutely amazed. It's the most appreciative crowd in the NFL, in my opinion. I always felt like that when I was here. Now that they've got a winner, it's like being in a college atmosphere. The crowd is crazy out there. I hate to be a visiting team here. They're a hell of a team, said Beathard. Mid-season playoff form, terrific team. So on it went. They beat the living heck out of the Chargers, who I think I said finished eight, finished eight and eight. Um, anything else in this game? They just bludgeon them with the defense, bludgeon them with the front line. Uh, Charlie Gardner of our staff, their story about scalping in the scalping zone there. They had a one block set up by the Green Bay and Ashwaubenon City Fathers. Tickets were up to 150, 200 bucks. This was, uh, which inflation or match with that is today. Exactly. Sylvester Kroom, the running back coach, Sly later coached in Green Bay, a great, great man. He said, they played at a high intensity level and they run to the football and they don't give you anything. Uh, one more. Uh, it was the point where Holmgren afterwards was asked about comparisons to Vince Lombardi's dynasty. That's how good this team looked on a 3-0 and start. Though That was the question. Somebody asked him that at the pressure. And Holmgren said, that would be very flattering. But I have always said that that group of men and Coach Lombardi in that era will never be duplicated. Now, if we can approach some of that at some point, great. Holmgren was a smart cookie, you know, Tyler? I mean, he just extreme intelligence and intellect, you know? He knew how to handle everything. I don't know what, you know, you don't hear that kind of stuff coming out of there nowadays. This guy just had a feeling, and this team had a bunch of characters who would speak out from White to Butler to Favre to Eugene Robinson to Sean Jones and on and on. And, I mean, it was the best team I ever covered, and it was a really exciting time to be a beat writer. You had people who talked. You had access from Holmgren, and you had just a great team that just kind of kicked ass, and they went all the way to the Super Bowl and dominated, you know? That's it, T. Nailed it. Man, I love these McGinn memories. It brings back a lot of memories for everybody listening, too. They can remember that team. They can remember these games. And it's it's just wild, too. I mean, we, we could talk about that 96 team forever. I mean, so much comes to mind. Just, just walking back with our old pal Tom Silverstein to the 
to the media parking after covering this game in Pittsburgh, we ended up talking about Mike Holmgren and, you know, he made a point that, you know, as tough as that team was uh, defensively, physically, mentally tough. Think about what they went through mentally that year, all the injuries, especially a wide receiver, you know, down to BB and Mickens, I think by that Detroit game. And I remember that win against St. Louis kind of turning things around. Like there were some real ups and downs to that team. He, 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 Tom was reminiscing how they always would just practice indoors if it was too cold outside. Right. I think some old school coaches would think to build this toughness, we got to be out in the frigid cold and Holmgren's like, screw that. No, we're going to get some stuff done. We're going to, we're going to work inside and get done what we need to get done. Just smart, right. Just smart coaching. Something like, like a guy like Mike McDaniel will do today. Right. He's, and there are some cantankerous old school coaches out there who probably would go the other direction. It's, some coaches get it and some don't. And Mike Holmgren was ahead of his time. He was ahead of his time in so many ways. The Super Bowl loss to Denver, just letting Terrell Davis score. And, you know, that had to have been so crazy for so many people. I think Aaron Taylor, the lineman, even, like, criticized it harshly after the game. Hmm. But that's absolutely what you should do there. Give Brett Favre a chance with a yeah. minute and a half. Um, instead of just watching a Super Bowl bleed in it. If Antonio Freeman catches the ball on that final drive, who the hell knows what happens? Which pick up your Bob McGinn Super Bowl book, right? The ultimate Super Bowl book. I remember that Freeman drop was in like one of the the top ten what ifs, gaffs or whatever. Uh, top ten drops of Super Bowl drops. history. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I've said this many times, Tyler, but before Holmgren and Wolf showed up, you know, I had been around the team for well, 10, 15 years. I had no idea what a successful franchise was or meant or looked like. No idea. And had those guys not shown up, I might never have known, you know. But they showed me and the lessons I learned from them, what a real organization looks like. It's colored all my coverage of the league and the teams and the Packers from that point forward. So uh, 30 years ago, it started. and I owe them a lot for that. Yep. Eloquently said, Bob, well done. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tyler. And thank you to our listeners here. Everything at golongtd.com, your email inbox, and the Substack app. Make sure you download the Substack Substack app. That's our platform. Turn the notifications on. Get all the stories. The live game day chat is always a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, Man, I don't know what our final number was. We had close to 400, 500 comments on Sunday. Uh, It's it's a great time. Meet some readers from around the world. We had several readers from across the pond, Bob, uh, chiming in. So hopefully we can uh, meet you in there if you haven't joined yet. In the meantime, I'm Tyler Dunn here with Bob McGinn. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys.